0: Hey adventurers, welcome to the No Ordinary Adventure Podcast, a place we call home for adventure and the conversations you want to have. We bring you inspiration, stories from the field, and talk with adventure travelers and industry experts from around the world. This is a place to fill your heart and head with travel knowledge. Now, your host, Dan Blanchard, a lifelong mariner, traveler, and CEO of UnCruise Adventures, a small boat adventure company defining the un in UnCruise. Let's get started.
1: Well, welcome to No Ordinary Adventure with Captain Dan Blanchard, me, uh, as we explore Alaska. And I think at this stage, it's kind of, for this particular cast, it's about the Alaska industry and things that are available to us. We're one of the few states that has a volunteer-based Alaska Tourism Industry Association, ATIA, we affectionately call it, based in Anchorage. And ATIA is is a volunteer in the sense that the board members and that type of thing are all people from businesses in Alaska. It is supported by the state of Alaska and by our our dues and this kind of thing. But the the big thing is, is that this is really an industry-based association. And one of the things that just almost astonishes people when they first come into the Alaska travel industry from other states, other countries, is how cohesive the Alaska Tourism Industry Association is in representing all of us in small business like Cruise Adventures. So I thought it would be really good to talk to Tanya and Wendy today about their roles in what they do at ATIA, or the Alaska Tourism Industry Association and present that to you. So you have a little, maybe pull the cover back on Uncruise and the Alaska travel industry, and some of the workings that happen from an industry standpoint, as well as from a visitor standpoint in Alaska. I'll first introduce Tanya. Tanya, do you want to just say a couple things about yourself, kind of give a little professional background and tell folks what you're doing?
2: Yeah, um, so I'm the Director of Travel Trade, International Markets, and Sustainability here at HIA. I don't have, I guess, necessarily the traditional tourism background. I came to Alaska in college to study marine biology and went to work on cruise ships as a naturalist before kind of leaving the biology behind and going full-blown tourism in Alaska. I won't say how long ago that was because I don't want to age myself. <laughs> I've been in the industry for at least a couple decades and uh, just love Alaska and, you know, love welcoming people and making people's dreams coming true up here. It's just such a beautiful place to represent and sell. It's great.
1: Well, you're like so many of us that found Alaska in our teens and 20s and just couldn't leave, huh? Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. I mean, it. Yeah. It was like no place else. Coming from Colorado, you you know, I have the mountains, but I didn't have the ocean. So now I have the best hotels.
1: Well, that's wonderful. Great, great explanation. I like how you got there. I kind of resemble those comments. Um, (laughs) Wendy, how about yourself? I'm very curious.
0: Sure. I am the director of tourism marketing for ATIA, and I'm one of the newest members to the team um, and very excited to to be in Alaska and promoting this great state. I've been in marketing for a couple decades as well, um, but kind of made my way through publishing and and working with different developments in, in Montana and really had some great clients and got into that with the resort areas as far as Big Sky and West Yellowstone. And so came from that national park realm and resort areas and got into the tourism part of marketing. And it's I tell people once you're in the tourism marketing realm and destination marketing, you don't get out of it. It's like you become a family, it's in your blood. And for me, just coming from the local CVB level and having this chance to come up and, and promote at a state level and probably the best state to promote, obviously, and, and being that it's Alaska. So, so many different variety of things and diversity in the state. And like Tanya said, we've we love those mountains. Once you fall in love with the mountains, you don't, you don't. You can't really go back to the Midwest or anything where we where we grew up. So it's it's just part of your blood now and part of the tourism family. So it's you you just never leave.
1: So you know, in, in looking at at what you know what what are your role is, you've kind of shared your titles, but what does that really mean? Maybe we'll start off with telling you on a kind of on a day to day client basis type thing.
2: Oh goodness, there's. So much. I I will say, I like to think I have the best job here. (laughs) I work with all of our travel trade, you know, so that includes uncruise adventures. But, you know, I work with travel agents, tour operators, cruise lines, airlines. So it's, you know, answering emails, um, answering questions, planning, familiarization tours. So we bring those people to Alaska because that's really the best way to sell it is get those agents and operators to the state so they can see it firsthand, create new itineraries, and honestly fall in love with the destination themselves. Because once you love a destination, you can sell it that much better rather than trying to sell it with never having been to Alaska. Um, certainly, if you've not been here, you, know, you don't realize how large of a state it is. Um, and so being able to see it and see what's involved and how long it takes to get to different places and to really give it the full experience, the time that you want to give each of your destinations. You don't just want to drive from point A, point B, point C in a matter of two days. You want to experience what the land has to offer and the attractions and the scenery and the wildlife. And to do that, you just want to take time. So putting together the best itineraries, that's what we're here for, to help those people.
1: Yeah, that education is so important. I uh... I, I agree with you. People don't realize how big our state really is. I uh, Back, it must have been in 2008 during the banking crisis. And I was even helping answering phones myself. And I had a, a fellow call me and he he's all excited to go to Alaska. And he's telling me about his trip. And after I, after I finished with you guys in Juneau, I've got a car rented and I'm going to drive to Anchorage. And of course there's some problems there. One, it's, you know, by road, it's like 700, 800 miles away. And two, there's no road to Juneau, to Skagway or Haynes, And, you know, just, and it's going to take more than a day. I think you, <laughs> uh, exactly. People just have no idea. I often use the example of how, you know, if you go all the way from uh, Barrow to the Aleutians or all the way down to Ketchikan, I mean, that's far more than the distance between like Seattle and And San Diego, people just don't, they just have a hard time grasping. Maybe it's when they look at a globe, the curve of the earth makes it (laughs) seem smaller. Yeah.
2: Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe Maybe it's uh putting us in a box by Hawaii that does it.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Well that'll do it too. Yeah, we're really much smaller. We're actually someplace in the Gulf of California (laughs) floating around. Yeah, yeah. And and for all of you that are listening you can understand as, as Alaskans how we kind of joke at that a lot because Alaska can show anywhere on a U.S. map. I even saw it south of Florida one time. Oh, that's good. So Wendy, same question. I mean, what what's the day-to-day? What's the the nuts and bolts of what you do?
0: Well, I get to work with Tanya on the international side, and then I also get to work with the, on the consumer side. So really my overarching job description is really – Providing that inspiration and excitement to to start your planning to come to Alaska, and so it's a, you know day to day for me. It's you know people always say we have the best jobs in the world, and I'm like, yeah, I I love promoting, I love to talk to people, but it's also you know we spend a lot of time and a lot of planning and strategy that goes into the campaigns and going through our library and getting assets and picking those pictures and putting together those videos and. And proofing the copy that goes out on any of our our content and our website, and so it's there's a lot of a lot of planning, a lot of numbers that you crunch, a lot of data that you look at, you know, trying to identify those markets and and put it all together in, in a cohesive plan that you know we understand, that our stakeholders understand, and that and, and ultimately the the consumer that it catches their eye and they click on that ad and they come to the website and they book their trip.
1: Well, I'll ask you to give away um and maybe it's not a top secret thing that you can share, but what? give me some of the, the main markets for Alaska within the United States.
0: Yeah, I mean, our top markets, California, the Northwest, and that Seattle area, surprisingly it's Texas and Florida and New York. Those are kind of our top five big demographic areas, but we see other areas like Chicago and Minneapolis and some of those western states that also sneak into those top ten, depending on what time of year it is. But yeah, really, the west coast. Obviously, it's for them. Travel is easier coming up, but then also the the southern states that you know want to come up and and do the cruisings, especially. And then obviously from there they get into the interior part of the state.
1: Yeah, that's really true. It, it is easy for folks from the northwest, but I think it's also for people to realize. You know, a lot of the flights leave from Seattle, and you're two hours to Juneau. What three and a half to Anchorage or so? I mean, it's it's surprising in air miles how quickly you get there. It's not like going to Europe or something like that, and and you're not changing time zones. Thank goodness, in a big way. You know, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'll toss a question out to both of you. What is both the hardest challenge that you've had to overcome? You know, in your life personally and professionally. And then the flip side of that what would you consider your greatest joy in that?
2: Oh goodness. I you know, unfortunately, unfortunately I would probably say it it's very much work really. I mean, I I do live for selling Alaska and that's what I've done for so long. Um so really I think one of the hardest challenges that I've had to face was during COVID with tourism just coming to a complete standstill almost overnight. It was very difficult. Um we had to cut back on a lot of things on our side. So jobs, so many people were losing their jobs. Um, And it was, it was a very trying time for me. And I know for many people in the industry, but it was the first realization that I had in my life where it's like my personal being was so much tied to my job. Um, So I, in a way it was also a positive. It helped me step back and, and see what other things there are that I can be doing. And spending time in on outside of just work not that I work all the time but such a love that I did have to kind of step back and say what else is there and fortunately we do have tourism coming back and things are looking up again but it it gave me a much more I think rounded focus in life
1: yeah for sure I, I think there's many of us can could quit the uh COVID, the pandemic in that toughest period, uh, particularly in the the, the business we all choose to be involved in, was was certainly challenging. But what specifically, and either of you can jump in, what kind of things does the Alaska Tourism Industry Association provide to a small business uh, like Uh, Uncruise? How do you help us succeed? That type of thing.
2: We really have, I think, two sides. We have our association side, so as a membership organization, we're there to fight and really advocate for industry. When different policies come up that may affect our members, we're there to do what we can to ensure that, you know, the impacts um, are either negligible or that we can, you know, keep something that may not be best for the industry from, from happening. On the marketing side, you know, we're there to help get everybody, you know, we, we have the whole brand of Alaska out there, but we have programs that all of our businesses can partake in and get their names out to a wider audience than they may be able to do on their own.
1: Yeah, I know we participate, for instance, in your LEAD program, and uh, that's been a, a valuable piece for us where people inquire to the Alaska tourism industry about Alaska And they might say, oh, I'm into adventure travel or I'm into ship travel or something like this. And that comes as part of our lead package and helps us as a small business reach out to people that may not have found us otherwise. So I'm curious, uh, being that my office is about two and a half blocks from our state capital building. And I often am up at the Capitol building uh, listening to funding for the Alaska tourism stories and and people banging their hands about what's it bringing us in dollars and cents? And is this what we should do? And I mean, what, what does ATIA bring to the state from a standpoint of, you know, the state might put X million dollars into supporting the organization What does ATIA give back to the state of Alaska and its residents uh, in terms of a return on that?
0: You you know, we've looked at travel planners where we invest that. And for like every dollar spent in that, we're seeing 300 plus dollars in return on those, increasing the visitors to the state. But not only that, it's bringing in the right visitors that are spending time here and spending money here. Um, which just then increases those the base income for communities that they're able to do so much with in reinvesting in infrastructure and being good stewards of our resources and getting that messaging out there. It's education to the consumer as well. So really it's, you know, you look at dollars and cents and it's also the jobs that we're creating and coming back, you know, I think probably this year, hopefully we're going to hit back that 2019 number and, really, you know, those are sustainable jobs that that people can have year round or introduces people to the state of Alaska. And like you said, we come and we never leave. So
1: <laughs> that's true. Now, I, I can't recall in 2019. because I think we have to look back and because the last few years have been a bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what was our industry ranking statewide? Were we two or three uh, statewide as far as the amount of employment and such that we offer? Do you remember, Tanya? I want to say we were third. Yeah. 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 And of course, oil and gas is right. over the top because of the North slope. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think in, in different parts of Alaska tourism, it is the economic driver. Yep. For, yeah. sure. for instance, you know, we, uh, here in Juneau, we have almost no oil influence uh, directly, but in Anchorage you have a lot of oil businesses based in, in Anchorage. So it's, little bit different depending on which community you're in. tourism overall is a huge huge factor and becomes more and more important to the small communities quite frankly and and for those of you not who don't really realize how small Alaska is we have a population of you know plus or minus a few thousand around 742 in any given year in our big city what are you guys up to in Anchorage now
2: Around 350 to, or so. 350.
1: 350 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Juneau where I live is covers between 32 and thirty three thousand. So um yeah, our whole state has a population equal to most major cities or smaller right. than most major cities yep. in the lower 48. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of land, one-fifth the yep. size of a lower 48. Uh, which, oh, by the way, folks, if you're listening and you don't know Alaska. We don't call it the continental United States, we call it the lower 48. It's you know because we're the we're the upper one, right?
2: That's right.
1: So I have some some questions about you know unique challenges that you're facing right now. And because Tanya, I thought you when you were talking and you talked about the challenges of COVID and pandemic, and I'm hoping that I'll I'll be talking about that very little in the future, (laughs) except maybe in retrospect. Um, But I'm curious about unique challenges facing the Alaska travel industry today, this coming summer, this fall, when we start to close up shop. What are the challenges that you two see for our industry in the 2023 season?
0: I don't know if there it's so unique. I think we're we're seeing the same difficulties that our lower 48 partners are seeing. Workforce is definitely a huge piece of it, trying to get that back and, you know, housing for some of that workforce definitely. Um it from our perspective and hearing from partners, it's how the how the visitors are traveling. Like what travelers are expecting and just trying to get a good benchmark on when their booking windows are now some of them i mean we're seeing very we're still seeing shorter booking windows um even during the winter people are sometimes like we were just talking in one of our meetings that partners are seeing when there's specials on airfare people are like oh let's go and they don't have a plan and they don't realize how big the state is like you said and they get here and it's the shortest day of the season or are things like that so um definitely trying to get a bead on what travelers how they're traveling and what they're expecting and what they want and and when they're booking that's it's a it's a little bit unique cuz we're we're a long haul destination you don't just you know jump on the bus and get there in a couple hours kind of thing
1: that's true
2: i think another side that we're going to be seeing with europe and asia and everybody opening up you know we were one of the top destinations domestically this last year because so much of the world was still closed. So now we're competing globally um, again with pent-up travel demand. So some of our domestics are going to go overseas. We want to see some of those internationals come here. So a little bit of give and take on on that travel side with global availability.
1: Are you hearing much from members, or maybe even experiencing directly in Anchorage uh, employment challenges like we had last year?
2: I haven't heard anything yet in terms of difficulty. We're just hitting the hiring season.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so you know, what uh, we've talked about, you know, what ATIA does for businesses like mine and this kind of thing. And we talked about what it does, what ATIA does for the state. And I'm curious, you know, in looking to the past of COVID-19 and then to today, how, how are things coming out? Do you feel like it was last year uh, pretty much away from it in your opinion, or was still lingering? Do you feel like this year is going to be lingering?
2: From what I could tell last year, it was a gangbuster year. People were ready and wanting to come to Alaska. I don't I don't know if there was really much thought of what happened in the last few years, you know, before they traveled. We still run a COVID hotline, and we do get the odd email or phone call if there are any restrictions, anything they need to be worried about. But for the most part, people were, were really just ready to come, ready to partake in adventure and sightseeing and get out of their home.
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to say I hope it's behind us, but I'm curious. Okay, Since I don't get up in the interior during the summer much, Uh, pretty busy in southeast i'm always curious how it went during in different parts of the industry
0: i think hearing hearing from partners it's been it's been a really good season you know and i think it was still kind of not knowing what to expect and and how people traveled but you know they they pulled together and i think what we were hearing was really good warm season and as crews started to fill back in later in the season you know it was adjusting to that too where we saw the cruise companies go okay well let's let's extend our season by three weeks. And that, you know, got some of our, our Southeast communities kind of, kind of going like that was a little bit different. They had to adapt, but I think that's one thing about our industry too, is, as we can adapt. We could do it, you know, before the pandemic and we can do it now and we can do it better now, but.
1: So uh, let, let's shift gears and, and I agree with you totally, Wendy. Um, The uh, shift gears a little bit to talk about Alaska herself and I mean in your opinion are there there's what everybody knows there's Glacier Bay there's Denali you know all these different places you go but in give me some of your favorites without maybe giving away your backyard I don't want you to give away your favorite place that you take take the kids or your or your best friend or family members but what are what are some of the the, the places that aren't known so well to maybe the world that you might share from a a place that oh my gosh! If I am an adventure traveler coming to Alaska, I would say you should go here. Yeah,
2: you know, I would. For me, that's I love Wrangell-St. Elias National Park. It is It's it's just a phenomenal location. It is wilderness Alaska. It is the road less traveled. The sightseeing is great. The the activities there are great. The history is incredible. Um, it's just a great great location.
1: That is, and a little harder to get to if you're, you're not a local. I think, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Wrangell-St. Elias the largest national park in the system and perhaps it in perhaps the world? Yeah. and
2: Yep, it is. And and part of UNESCO World Heritage Site with, you know, Kluwani, Tachinchini, and Glacier
1: Bay together. Yes, that's right. It's, uh, if you actually connect all those together, it's, the I think, the largest biopreserve on the planet it next is. Right along with a split in Africa, I think. Yeah, amazing. That's a lot of land. Millions. <laughs> and
2: a millions. lot of water. I mean, Glacier
1: Bay alone is 3.1 million acres. Right. And you take that and add the Canadian side, then back into wrangell St. Elias, that's an absolutely massive chunk of land that's preserved. <laughs> so Wendy, how about you? And you you have limited time there, but I'm curious so far, what do you what do you find out?
0: You know, just in our little area, there's over 35 lakes to get into and fish. And so, you know, snowmobiling into those where we're into the winter sport. So snow machining and ice fishing and all of that. So we've been able to explore a little bit of that. And there's like I talk about there's waterfalls are popular. There's some great ones that are fairly easy to hike into. Um, Alaska, we love our dogs, obviously, by the newest video that's gone viral of skateway um so lots of places to get out and snowshoe and ski and and take the furry children like mine and Tanya's so it's, you know there's lots of places like that so you know still things we're going to get out and do some of that that summer fishing on the ocean and things that we haven't experienced yet but Lake Louise and fishing or Byers Lake or Clutton Lake and that aren't very far off the beaten path but people don't think of them because they're they're going to Denali or they're going to Fairbanks and Chena Hot Springs and all the big things that everybody hits on their itineraries and and we're kind of starting to showcase some of those off the beaten path things a little bit but that are still easily accessible and are what we call soft adventure so you don't have to be the hardcore hella skiing you know you can still still do some of those things. Fires Lake is so great. I do love that spot. it's
2: beautiful lake yeah it was like I, I remember a trip out there it was the epitome of like the ultimate calm lake at a group. And just as the guide is talking about, oh, yeah, there are loons on this, this lake. And as soon as he stopped, there was the loon call. And it
1: was <laughs> like that
2: perfect wilderness sound.
1: On just, key. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is a little off script, but I'm curious, and probably Tanya, from your standpoint, but Wendy, you've been up here now long enough, I think, where you get it. Um, what are some of the mistakes that people make when they think that when they're going to Alaska? And they they get up there and they go, oh my gosh, I wish I would have blank.
2: The two top things for me that come to mind are planning. I mean, don't don't come up here, especially in the sump. well, I think at this point anytime, and not have a game plan, places to stay. It's it's getting harder and harder to find lodging or campgrounds if you didn't plan ahead. And and the other side of that planning is your clothing, what you're packing. If you're coming in the wintertime, you got, you know, look at where you're going and pack accordingly. Always dress in layers because we could experience three seasons in a day.
1: Well, we say in in Southeast, you have to have your slippers. (laughs) <laughs> your extra tough boots yep, you know we wear them, well in the winter time we we pretty much wear them with uh micro spikes over the top pretty much anytime right. time we're in town because it's always icy snow mix it seems like in juno yeah. yeah a lot of good things to know Wendy, your your thoughts on that
0: tanya hit it on the head it's really like and you mentioned earlier how big our state is just realizing I think when you look at a map or you look at the globe and it's as the crow flies, it doesn't look that far, but really it's, it takes hours. We, we have family coming up this summer and my husband was saying, oh, they're going to go here one day and here the next day. And I went time out. You realize even from where we are, it's four hours just to the entrance of Denali. It's five or six hours down to Homer. And, you know, and that's with no, no traffic or anything like that. And you're, you're here peak season with all the other travelers. So yeah, really, really knowing your time. Like you can't see the whole state in even a week or, or two weeks. It's just, it's so massive. And there's so every region is so different. And just like you were alluding to earlier, it's not just getting in your car and driving from X to, to Z. It's, you know, you have to plan.
1: I think that is so true. And, you know, we occasionally, uh, most of the clients we, we have understand that, uh, travel, particularly in a destination like Alaska, is, like you said, Tanya, planning ahead. Like you're pointing out, Wendy, being willing to, if it's a five-hour drive, plan on all day, Um, partly because there's so much you're going to find along the way. But we, a lot of people feel that they can come to a destination once and see it. And I've always been an advocate of saying no, no, you know, start with one section of Alaska, and then you're going to fall in love and come back and do a different section the next time. And I think that's proven to be, you know, kind of the elixir for people that, that are really, truly Alaska's client, the type of person that's going to come back. And again, the fact that we're two to three and a half hours air travel from Seattle uh, makes it so easy to come up multiple times. Uh, Yeah, I'm a a big supporter of slow down, smell the roses, you know, slow down, move too fast. That old song. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Enjoy it. I mean, you're here for the experience and that's what it's about. And if you don't slow down and stop and pull out and and see what's going on, you miss it.
1: That's right. But I'm curious uh, from each of you, maybe some closing thoughts to people that might be listening and considering coming to Alaska maybe some words of wisdom and encouragement and just things that will help them make that decision to come do what the three of us believe is one of the most wonderful spots, places on planet Earth.
2: There's something for everybody in Alaska. I always hear, you know, the couples where it's like, well, you know, it's it's been my husband's dream. I'm just going to tag along. But then they go home and both of them are in love with Alaska, right? So they found that, You know, sure, he wanted to go maybe fishing or he wanted to go look at bears, but she found just as much in the scenery or the hiking opportunities or, you know, dog sledding. I mean, we have so much to offer that there really is something for everybody, every generation, young to old. And it's it really is just a place that when you come you can't help but fall in love with it. Yeah. We're, we're destination for everybody.
0: Absolutely. I think that's the the biggest thing is we welcome everybody. There's an adventure for every skill level, you know, family and, and those plus, and really, I think too, people, when they think Alaska, they think it's cold year round. They think it's dark year round. And we're not, you know, last June we're up on a glacier. So it's, you know, it's things like that where you can experience those different climates almost in a day and things like that. So like Tanya said, there is there is something for, for everybody up here and, and you just make the experience your own.
1: Yeah, really true. I, I think that the joy about bringing families to Alaska, the multi-generational, generational travel, as we in the industry call it, is that whether they're on my boats or whether they're, you know, visiting Anchorage or whatever, there's so many different things for the whole family to do. It's not like being locked into one mode of travel where you only do this or that. Yeah. Well, ladies, thank you for joining us. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you for everything you do for Alaska and for Uncruise Adventures. Uh, We feel your presence whether you know it or not. And for all of you listening in, it's been great. Uh, We've learned about some great things in Alaska, some hidden away spots for our friends that were up from Anchorage today on the on the interview. And we've also learned what an association of small businesses can do to promote the largest state in the nation with one of the smallest populations of the nation to the rest of the world. And I think that speaks very loudly to when we lock arms together as a people and we decide we want to do something, we can be successful. And that is the Alaska Tourism Industry Association, uh, which I've been a member of since I was a, a young man. Uh, so I think those are valuable takeaways here. I also think uh, big valuable takeaways is, you know, do Alaska slow, travel slow, embed yourself when you can in an area region region of, of Alaska. And I think what you'll find is that the the greater joy of travel will reach you. I'm excited to talk to these two wonderful ladies because they are representing my state, my industry. And at the bottom, end of the day, they're representing my heart and soul about what I love. So thank you all for attending. This has been Dan Blanchard, Captain Dan Blanchard, owner, CEO, and Chief Bottle Washer of Uncruise Adventures. with. No Ordinary Adventure. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to No Ordinary Adventure, sharing locally harvested stories about adventure. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, and help spread the word. We are a community of nature lovers, intrepid travelers, and outdoor adventurers, mostly from the comfort of a small boat. And we want to spread our love of this fascinating planet. That's it for this episode. Now get outside.